How many customers today are using the tool? 1,460. Average monthly revenue is around 180 to 185,000. Around, around 140-ish per, around 140-ish per customer per month. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Dane Maxwell. This man has a method that can create bootstrap profitable SaaS products from scratch. He was fired from Ernst & Young, failed at 11 businesses, figured out what worked, and then taught those patterns, helped create 15 millionaires via his old company called The Foundation, or I believe actually still active. We'll jump to that in a second. Loves building SaaS products and also sings and released his third musical album last year. Dane, you ready to take us to the top? Sure. All right. Wait, so clear up foundation thing real quick. Still active? Uh, foundation will be shifting to startfromzero.com. Okay, which also happens to be the title of the book. Why that title? Because I want to help underdogs start businesses, people that are super insecure. The guy that's like working at a job has, you know, he's thought about a business, but he thinks he can't start one because he doesn't have an idea. He doesn't have experience. He doesn't have money. He doesn't have expertise. He doesn't have the Ivy degree thing. He's not, he doesn't feel worthy. Any of these issues, like I want to show everybody that anybody can be an entrepreneur if they have the desire for it, of course. If they don't, this is not, it's a different story. So I really want to reach people that just never thought it'd be possible for themselves. So, so dive into, you know, my audience is heavy, heavy technical SaaS, right? So, so yeah. you know, build credibility with them here real quick, right? Talk about a SaaS company you recently built, one of them. Well, I love SaaS because the, the business model just makes it really easy to do, do everything else. So I've, I've got, I started seven software products. Um, and sort of just intuitively did the lean startup before it existed. Um, you know, I'd connect with customers. I'd find pain that they had. I would build software products that would not modify user behavior. I would build software products around things they're already currently trying to solve. I found all these ways to minimize the risk of starting a software company. And then I started one as, as paperlesspipeline.com is my biggest, which will do 2.1 million or more this year, which I've also stepped away from that business. Um, I stepped away from that business actually at uh, 700, 300, somewhere between 300 and 700,000. I stepped away from that business. What year was that? Oh man, four or five years ago, I stepped away from it. Okay, 20, so it's 2015-ish? Yeah, or even earlier. So it's a fully self-managed SaaS I stepped away from and they've been able to grow that to 2 million plus. And the reason that business has been able to grow is because the seed of the idea is so solid as a SaaS product. Because if you don't have a, if you don't have a solid idea, the seed being solid, it just kind of makes you have to work harder at everything else. Mm-hmm. And that if you get the idea really solid and sound, meaning it's not modifying someone's behavior, they're currently looking for a solution, they're currently doing that thing without without the product itself, 
And so not like, you know, like a Nordic track is like how many people you still use a Nordic track because no one did that thing before it came out. Like it, but if you if you plug into the existing behavior and make that way more efficient, that's where I see software really shine. So how did you identify that for paperless pipeline, which is described on the homepage as the simplest software for real estate transaction and commission management? Well, yeah, first I want to say like, so I've done a lot of businesses. I've done information businesses. I've done all kinds of things. And the most pleasurable businesses that I've built have been usually are usually software. They're so fun to build. You build a UI, you get to look at it, you put a developer in place, you manage their hours, et cetera. Um, with Paperless Pipeline, the way that I built that and found that idea was I just went into the market and essentially asked people, what's a software product that you've been using or looking for for years, but it's just not meeting the needs that you have? Okay, wait, that's, so that, that's powerful because there are a lot of people listening trying to launch their first company and they, they struggle with what questions to ask and then who to ask them to to find an idea. So that was the question you wanted to ask, but how did you find the people to ask it to? Well, I already had these existing clients, existing customers, but you can do this cold. You could send someone cold like, hey, I'm looking to build software for your industry and I'm just looking to know what software do you use right now that makes you want to throw your computer out the window? Send, right? And they'll be like, oh, this software, you know? And you know, it's interesting. What like, would the you subject know, line on that initial cold email be? A strange question. Um, weird question. I bet you haven't been asked this before. You know, anything along those lines, you know, yes, we he's, love this he's game, good. Right? He's good at copywriting. That's why I'm trying to try and suck all this out of him today. So, OK, yeah. Dane, that's good. Um, OK, good. So you got feedback that and, and basically said, I think people would pay for something like this paperless pipeline thing. Absolutely. And, you know, they, they, they've been looking for years and, and whatnot, but there is something else that I was going to say, but I forgot, but so late. <laughs> That's okay. So, so you get, um, again, you teach all this and start from zero, but I just want to talk about the actual company you did it with and you've done this with many companies, but, um, many, yeah. So, yeah, paperless pipeline. So, so when did you launch that company? What year? Well, it's 10 years old. Okay. Got it. Wow. So 2009. Yeah. 2009. That's a hell of a year to launch a company. Still, still recession, not a great time economically. Yeah. My, my income tripled in the year of the recession. How did real estate agents have extra money to play around with like this? Nobody was buying real estate. Why would they pay for your service? Well, money, money moves even in recessions. So money just shifted to foreclosures, you know, but money still moves in recessions. So you, people and, can use your, that this tech for foreclosures as well. Oh yeah. Any, any, well, any transaction, but what, what, what's more important is I, I position this product, um, as the, as, as like a, a very helpful thing because of the economic collapse. So I actually spoke to it. So in, in, in terms of marketing, which you also learn in the book, what I did is I, I positioned, I, I spoke directly to what was happening. So I didn't try to ignore it. I said that a recession has hit real estate companies everywhere and it's, it's forcing them to strip down reduce overhead and become more profitable than ever. This is increasing the increasing the desire for agents to work on a mobile basis. Well, it just so happens that paperless pipeline is one of the ways for you to strip the square footage of your office down and have your agents work mobile. All of my competitors were selling, it's, it's transaction management software. So all of my competitors, they were selling transaction management software. But what I did is I sold how to build a mobile office, how to reduce your overhead. Yeah, because you can cancel agents. your rent payment, right? Exactly. And and so I, there, there were like eight or eight or nine or 10 competitors at the time that I launched paperless pipeline. So, you know, if you're looking to start an idea, well, first what you do is you can look, say, what other, what, what software have you been looking for for years, but have been able to find the other one, the, my, my, probably the best, there's two, there's two other ones I'll give really quick. And, um, the, it's, it's, what do you use Microsoft Excel for in your business? Cause whatever you're using Excel for, you can find solutions to. So if you happen to ask like a, an Amazon seller, what are you using Excel for? They're like, well, I use Excel to track all my inventory. 
right? You could, so you could help them build an inventory tracking thing for an Amazon seller. But then there's also like, if you ask, one of my other favorite ways to do this is to sit behind someone and ask them about what they're in their email inbox. What's, what's the email inbox like? What emails take you the most time to reply to? What emails are the biggest pain in the ass? These kinds of things. And then I say, oh, I hate these emails. So if you go to real estate, you talk to a realtor, you say, hey, what, what email is the biggest pain in the ass? And they say, oh, this con- this thing, I got to print this thing out, print this contract out. I got to sign it. I got to scan it. got to put it back in. I got to attach it to the email and send it. I, I hate it. I hate it. And you say, well, what would be your magic wand solution? Which is a very common question. I learned from Heaton Shaw in the SaaS space. Thank you, Heaton, for that question. But you say, what's your dream solution, right? What's your magic wand solution? They say, well, electronic signature software. So you could have been one of the entrepreneurs that discovered electronic signature software by just simply sending behind people and watching how they respond to email. So building a software and finding an idea and making sure the seed is is right. I'm, I'm very good at it because I've just taught it to so many people at this time, but it's it's one of the it's one of the more simple processes to, to begin if you're looking for a great idea. So it was a decade ago. How many customers today are using the tool? 1,460-ish. 1,460-ish. That's great. And I mean, yeah. are you talking enterprise or talking like $10 a month kind of price point? What do they pay on average? Well, uh, average monthly revenue is around 180 to 185,000 okay. per month. Okay. So Got it. Around, around 140-ish per Right, 140 ish per customer per month. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you take me back to growth? So, if you're doing like two million ish today, where would you know where it was exactly a year ago? Uh, 1.9, 1.8, probably. Okay, so it's it's, it's grow. I mean, have you bootstrapped it so you don't have to you don't have to drive venture returns? Do you? No, no, no. Yeah, so it's, it's totally own, bootstrapped. I own, I own most of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Everything I do is bootstrapped. At least right now. I don't see I don't see a need to raise venture capital because I get I get money from customers. I negotiate really good deals with developers. Everybody wins. I start businesses over and over again with with nothing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. No, that's I mean that's obviously a great way to do it. Uh, flesh out the team for me. What's the team on Paperless Pipeline look like today? How many people? So I want to start by saying that I don't know many of them because yep. I didn't hire I didn't hire them and it's a fully self managed business. I spend less than an hour a year on it because I've got a great CEO. I told him, listen, if you make 25% profit margins, you can do whatever you want. That's how much I trusted him. So I said, make me 25% profit margins on this, do whatever you want. So he hires, does everything. So I think we're around 10 people, okay. but, I couldn't, but I couldn't tell you for sure. That's how, that's how fully self-managed I've done it. Why 25%? I don't know. I mean, did you, if it was doing, when you left it, you said between 300 and 700,000 bucks when you left, you're basically saying, I want this person to make sure they generate me something like, um, what is that? Something like a hundred to 250 grand a year. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Basically without me having to think about it. Yeah. It just seemed like a, it just seemed like a, a healthy number for the business to succeed. That wasn't too greedy, but was also me saying, this is what I want. Okay, so I'm gonna. I think this is a valuable lesson. There's a lot of people listening right now that maybe run a company like this. They don't want to raise VC. It's a lifestyle business. They'd love to replace themselves so they can travel or play guitar, or release albums for the next three years. Um, How did you convince yeah. whoever came over as CEO to take over? I mean, what, and still give you 25 percent of the cash flow? Well, we he was the head developer of the product. Mm-hmm. He's the head developer of the product, and he's very grateful because he has a business that he gets to run, that he gets to work from home. He gets Does he to have equity. Pro- um, I gave him 10 percent equity. Okay, there's some there's like upside there. Yep. Yeah. But I gave him that after year three, there was never any talk about equity until about year three, which would have been what? 2000. Well, I don't know. Three years into starting it. 2012. Oh, not, not to when you left three years into 2009. Yes, 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 yes. Three years into the creation of the product. Cause if you get, if you, if you award equity in the first six months of a product, it's quite a bit more equity, but you know, cause equity is given where risk is afforded. So he's, he's undergoing some risk. So I figured 
Yeah, that's good. Now, has he hit the 25% target the past couple of years? Oh, yeah, he does a really good job. That's great. So just to be clear on 2.1 top, I would say it's two top line. He's basically cutting you a check for 500 grand each year. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, I, and, I, and I'm giving him an amazing life, an amazing quality of life with a great team and a good business that he loves. So it's, it's, it's a great win. He makes, he makes a good, I mean, 1.5 million goes somewhere. He's getting, he's getting some of that. So it's a, it's a good win all around. That's good. Okay. So, so what are you now let's go back to the book, right? So, so the foundation, I feel like when you launched this with what is the one word and Andrew Warner was all over it. And I remember the launch, like it was yesterday. It was all about helping a lot of people customer discovery, build a SaaS product, understand your metrics, scale. One time, four to five grand-ish, they get in, crank up people like Chandler, right, at Bolt. Um, How is Start From Zero going to impact people's lives that the foundation couldn't? Well, I'm going to be caring about the students. Uh, Well, that's a good question. Um, Well, talk a little bit about the frameworks. You've developed a bit new frameworks. Well, I'm doing everything better than we did, but that's, um, I feel my face even getting red. This is a hard question. I appreciate the hard question though. You know, start uh, the foundation was me coming out in the world and saying, listen, I want to prove to people that you can start a business from nothing. I want to, I want to listen, let's see no idea, no money, no experience, no credibility. I'll take any and all, any one and all I'll come. And we had 1200 students or so, give or take. We've had hundreds of people that are in the six figure range. We've got 15 millionaires. We've got some people who are pioneers in their industry. We've got a number of students who are number one actually number one in their different respective industries, multiple students. And we did that by installing deep pattern recognition of the brain, deep pattern recognition, meta patterns for entrepreneurship, deeply connect to the customer, go to the customer, go to the area you're most afraid of. Look at that until you reduce the risk to completely nothing, start things like that. So with experience, I guess, you know, as each student comes through the programs and frameworks get better and better, but I'm also hiring and bringing on experts who know way more than me to help teach at Start From Zero as well as we relaunch these programs. And, you know, I've had a pretty interesting shift with music. After I released my third album, all of a sudden music felt complete. I was like, what the heck just happened? I thought I was doing this forever. And then I released my third album and it was like, it seems like my music expression is complete. And when that, that sort of like karmic door or whatever you want to call it sealed for, for now anyway, business came rushing in and I just felt deeply called to help introduce people into entrepreneurship and help them build awesome businesses again. So I I think that, does that answer the question? Start from zero is just going to be a good place to learn how to start a successful business. That's also awesome. Mm -hmm. Any business, SaaS or e-commerce, Amazon, whatever, brick and mortar restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, the, the fundamentals of a business, as you know, as many know, is a customer that uses a mechanism to get a result. That's really a business in a nutshell, a customer that uses a mechanism to get a result. New people that are looking to start a business obsess about their idea. And so they say stuck, obsessed forever. If you're an Amazon seller, you go to Amazon, you look at Amazon products, but you're all looking at mechanism. Beginners obsessed with mechanism. As an entrepreneur, once you branch out and look at customer and the result they want, you understand the mechanism could be a hundred different mechanisms to get the same result. So what I do is I get people to focus on customer and result. And what happens is they start building a brain of an entrepreneur. Then on top of that, we install the skills of sales and outsourcing, which are the two big skills I think you need. So you sell, outsource the mechanism, and then you start to re- like you start to build a lot of freedom as an entrepreneur because now you're not stuck trying to make a really dazzly, shiny mechanism with all these bells and whistles. You're sitting with a customer because I did this with I did this with Start from Zero. I was like, so listen, what would make this product irresistible for you to buy? What would make it irresistible for you to buy? And that's a question you can ask someone. Who'd you what ask? Make- foundation students? Yeah, yeah, foundation uh-huh. student on a podcast. And I asked him, I said, what would they make this product irresistible for you to buy? And he said, if it helped me quit my job. And I was just dumbfounded. I was like, is that it? He's like, yeah. And then I was like, I was like, are you sure? 
He said, absolutely, 100%. And I was thinking, mother of God, <laughs> I, have not, I have not used that language in much of my marketing. I use start a software business, start a business, live a life of freedom, live life on your own terms, blah, blah, whatever the crap is. I didn't never really come out and say, here's how you quit your job. Customer is a person working at a job. End result is they want to quit their job. There are many ways they could do that. Right. So when you focus on customer result, your whole life changes. So in the software space, you're looking to launch software, which I love to launch. You do very similar things with that. And you get kind of creative about the software as long as it delivers the result. So, I mean, I guess the question is, what would how a start from zero better? I think it'll be the same because the foundation was remarkable. You know, it's just. Yeah. If when people open up the page on an airport bookshelf and they go to the index and they scan the titles, right, and decide what page to open to, I mean, what page do you think most people are going to open to? Well, the one I want them to open to is probably um, how to become a humble product creator. What does that mean? Well, you build products with a lot of humility. So, you know, you, you don't know what you're building, right? So there are eight distinctions, four different intentions and four killers of a product. And if you if you map the humble product creator onto your brain with these eight different distinctions, the four killers and the four intentions, if you do those things, you map it onto your brain and you look at the examples I use that follow those all those distinctions. When it comes time to building a product, you'll do a really good job and you won't do it with ego, you won't do it with pride, you won't try to keep it away from a customer. Every step of the way will be, does this provide the result to the customer? If not, that's okay. Because business at the end of the day, man, it's not personal. Because life at the end of the day is not personal. We make it personal. A business just works or it doesn't. An idea just works or it doesn't. You can't force an idea to work. And a lot of people sit there and force ideas because they're not humble, right? So when you have humility, then you're like, oh, yeah, this idea is not really working. So you don't try to like, I saw a SaaS CEO on Twitter once say something like, I hope this plan converts all our free tards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, dude, where's like with you? Like, no wonder you're not successful. Like, so anyway, so the humble so name, product creator. Name one of the, there's four killers. Name one of the killers. If, if they, if they're trying to create new behavior. Interesting. Right. If there's new behavior that needs to be created, you're really in trouble. If you look back in like 1910, you see a people uh, waiting for a bus on the street. They're all looking at their head in newspapers. If you look at 2010 years later, they're all head down looking at a phone. The behavior has been there since 1910. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no new behavior there. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, with new behavior, like, well, there's things that I've done where I try to create new behavior and it just, you know, it's a great idea and people even love it and they'll even buy it, but then they don't keep using it. Yep. Yep. So you want, you don't want to create new behavior. That'd be one. And so there were killers. Then there was another list of four, what? Uh, four intentions. Give me one of those. Um, always be stripping the product down to its essence. Interesting. So, um, that brings back memories like crazy because we got in massive fights at Hay when we were building it, where in every product <laughs> release, we would secretly remove at least seven, like some artificial number of lines of code. And if no one complained about it, we'd leave it removed. And so you always would get yeah. simpler. Do you have any examples of how you did that in, in paperless pipeline? Yeah. So, well, I don't know if this actually made it simpler, but one of the innovations of pipelines, when people do transaction management software, what happens is in a transaction management, typical transaction management platform is a, is a user has to go in and create a transaction inside the software. Then they can scan the paperwork and then they can go and upload it to the transaction. But the way that that works in the real world is agents will go into an office and they'll lay their transactions on a desk and stack them up. Then the, then the staff will work each one into a transaction. So with paperless pipeline, we didn't change behavior. What we did is we said they, Agents could just go to a scanner at scan, and then it would stack up in a, in a working 
docs section in pipeline and then and then and the staff could assign it within the platform so it worked intuitive just how they did so that was user behavior that was that didn't answer the the keeping things simple in terms of keeping things simple one of the things we found with brokers is they would need to open up these pdfs to look at contracts to review them to see if an agent was missing a signature on a page because a broker will get screwed by an audit if they're missing a signature mm. and agents agents miss a lot of signatures yeah i can <laughs> so, imagine so, you know, uh, well, humans do, right? Um, and, and so um, what happens is we, I created a, a feature where if you hovered over the link of the PDF, it would instantly create a preview so they could look at that document without having to click, without having to download. That doubled the cost of our hard drive space because we had to take each PDF and scan it as an image and store it in another spot. So what happened is, but it was so simple and so elegant and like it was only you just hover over for half a second, poof, PDF pops up, you can scroll it without having to download it. And that's when I talk about like making things efficient, not changing how they work. And that's why making software is so, you should be so passionate about it because you're humble. So you're sitting with a customer and you're like, what would make your life awesome versus being proud and trying to think about how I can, you know, make the most dazzly thing ever yep. does that do it does that do a decent job of it does yeah yeah so you have the killers okay. you've got this list of again keeping things simple not trying to change behaviors and there's a list of eight you said eight other things yeah eight distinctions one of those would be like um structure the deal for limited financial risk right so number eight and another one is like does this product actually meet your goals so you know if you know you want to make 10 grand a month can this product sustainably do that um and that's something that i didn't think about a lot um well, I did actually, I did, I just did it in my head, but people don't seem to think about, but in, st- in terms of structuring deals for limited financial risk, um, I recommend hiring for, if you're hiring software, you want to hire open source. You want to hire the best open source developers you can find. These guys love coding for the passion of it. And you see, so you go to open source communities and you find these guys, you talk to them about your project. You say, listen, I love how passionate you are about code. I got a project. I think you could really raise the game at. And then I, so I did that to 10 open source developers and that's how I found my developer. For how do you find open source developers? Well, you can go to like go to open source frameworks like Django, Ruby on Rails. You can Google open source communities, um, and then if you so if you go to like um, so Python is what Google was coded on. It's also the fastest executable programming language. And what I did is I went to Google. I said, "What's the fastest programming language?" I said Python. So okay, what's Python? And then I look because I don't know what Python is, and so I looked at Python, and then I found something called Django. I said, "Well, what's Django?" And then I looked at Django, and it's, Django was this one thing where you could code it once, and it would create three things for you. It'd create the database, the back end, the front end, all from coding one time. So you could code 300% faster with Django. Holy crap. So then I went and I went Django Google Groups on Google. And then I went to a Django Google group. I found the top 10 posters in that group, and I got their emails, and then I emailed all, all individually. But if you go to Django, you can actually just click on community and go in there and look at the developers talking the most and just fire them off your idea. But if you want to hire the best, hire open source. And they work really, really well. Um, so when you like, so that's about hiring one of the eight distinctions, you hire really good people, but you structure the deal for limited financial risk. If you're hiring some of the best, they're going to cost a lot of money. Well, I didn't have a lot of money when I was building pipeline. And so what I did with that is I usually have my customers pay for it. Um, but this guy didn't want to pay for the product in advance. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just charge you monthly for it when it comes out. So I got the D I got the project built for eight grand as, as little as I could. The product was in his hands for $8,000. I spent eight grand to build the product. And, um, after that, I couldn't keep affording to pay for it because I only had one user for a while. I'd had like one user a week. And then after nine months, we released it to a bunch of people and you know, the rest was history. Right. But um, what happened was I said, can we reduce your hourly rate from eighty five dollars an hour? He's like, well, how much do you want to reduce it to? And he was already kind of reduced. And I was like, well, can you go like half of that? And he's like, uh, you know, but I, I said, well, how about you go half of it and I'll pay you the future revenues? 
And so then we structure like, so how, how can you structure the deal for limited financial risk? So like start from zero. If you actually read that book with some diligence, there's 15 different examples of people that have built businesses and start from zero. There's 15 highly tangible, highly specific examples, four of which are multimillionaires. And they all started as employees, like hotel fucking employees and like Tesla employees and, and things like that. But there's all those examples in there so you can see it. But in terms of structuring deal for limited financial risk, there's a lot of ways to do it. That was how I did my pipeline developer. As we, uh, that's, I mean, those are good tactics. I want to give you a chance to kind of showcase some of that stuff. Um, Dan, as we wrap up, where can people find the book? Startfromzero.com. Okay. And when's it, when's it go live? Um, you can find information on it as early as January. It launches March 31st, 2020. And I'm also doing a podcast where I'm um, mentoring people based on the principles of the book in January. So 90 days before the book, I'm doing a podcast where I'm just like, I get an 80 year old podcast called a start from zero. Oh, good. Consistent. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, But I've got like an 80 year old chemical engineer and he's like, how do I make money? So I'm like, I'm just like, all right, dude, here's what you got to do. And he's like, I I don't get it. And I was like, why are we fighting here? He's like, well, we're in different worlds. I'm a chemical engineer and you're an entrepreneur. He's like, well, you got to knock it off. And then like, but by the end of the interview, he was like full on ready to go. (laughs) So I'm mentoring these people, teaching them how to start. And it's just, it's, it's my wheelhouse, man. I just, I love waking people's brains up to the possibility of entrepreneurship, no matter who they are, what their age is, what the circumstance, et cetera. Very good. Dan, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, your current favorite business book. Flip the script. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Well, I study you a lot, but you're not really a, I'm not a CEO anymore, man. No, right. Not at this time. I don't have any CEOs. Okay. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your company? Uh, you know, I outsource that to my team to figure out. What's your favorite outsourcing site? Uh, Upwork. Upwork. But, yeah, but I don't hire from, I don't hire my team from there. I just hire outsourcers. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Seven. And oh, this will be a fun one because I know there's some changes here recently. Um, situation, married, single kiddos. I've, I've got a new baby daughter. She's amazing. She's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Like People try to two months, right? Three months. I was four weeks old uh, on Monday. She oh was my gosh, it's crazy. Dude, people try to scare you about kids. It's not nearly as hard as it like, like take two, just two minutes to change a diaper. They give you so much joy when you're around them. It's, it's way like people try to scare the crap out of you with kids. It's not, and I got a beautiful partner and she takes great care of her. She's a great mother. So it's, yeah, it's really, it's a really, it's a, it's a, it's a blessed life, man. And how old are you, Dane? 36. All right, guys, last question here. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? That I was beautiful. Guys, like, from, like through and through. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Guys, beautiful Dane Maxwell gone, gone through, <laughs> gone through, gone through 11 companies, most recently paperless pipeline. You could call it his hit to call it 2 million bucks in top line revenue, but he passed it off many years ago with an understanding that he'd get 25% of the revenue in terms of cash each year. So he stepped away from it, is now building a podcast called Start From Zero and a book to go along with it. Startfromzero.com. Check it out. Available in March of 2020. Dane Maxwell, thank you for taking us to the top. I hope it's been valuable. Thank you. You guys know I fight like heck to get these data points for you from these CEOs that rarely do these kinds of shows. If you want more shows like this, make sure you subscribe right now. We're trying to get 10,000 YouTube subscribers by the end of September here, 2019. And it would mean the world to me if you clicked now to subscribe. Additionally, I've got two more great interviews for you. If you want more data points from the world's leading SaaS CEOs, click and watch one of them right now.